You are listening to the Point Harbor Church Podcast. Experience a place where you can grow in your faith, connect with others, and discover the story God has for your life. For more resources, visit us online at pointharbor.com. How are we doing this morning? Awesome. I am so excited to be here with you this morning. Isn't it good to be in the house of God this morning? Come on, isn't it good to be in the house of God this morning? I mean, this is incredible. This is exactly what it is that we've been talking about in the book of Acts. We're in the middle, um, I say in the middle, we just started it, and Acts is a long book. It's gonna be a good couple of weeks. But um, we are in the middle of this of this series where we are talking about the church being on fire. Um, and for those of you who are in our fire department locally, not actually on fire, right? No, we are on fire with the Holy Spirit. We're excited about what God is doing. We're looking back at when God really orchestrated the beginning of the early church and we're seeing all of the things that were done and we are looking at at why it matters 2,000 plus years later. So if you guys have your Bibles with us this morning, uh, if you could do me a favor and turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be at the end of Acts chapter 2 at verse 42. We're going to be finishing the chapter this morning, um, and we're going to be talking about the fellowship of the saints, these brand new saints that were just um, minted through this incredible sermon um, that Peter brought Really exciting stuff. We talked about that last week, and, and today we're going to talk about the results of, of that message. Have you ever felt maybe like your heart just wasn't in it? Like you had to do something that you really just didn't want to do? You know what I'm talking about? Like, and, and, and here's, the, here's the tough part you look around you and other people that are doing the same thing that you're doing are super into it. And you're just not, right? And we're in a season of people doing these New Year's resolutions, all right? You ready for some honesty this morning? You ready? And I know who you are, all right? How many of you have already or are planning on joining a gym for 24? Be honest. None of you? I see a couple hands. There we go. Okay, hey, look, you just told your church friends that you were going to do that. You have to now. And you have to actually show up. I actually loathe going to the gym in January because there's no machines for me to use. Because everyone else is there. But what happens is, is by about like January 4th, we go to the gym and, and we, we're not in it. And all those guys that look like they were chiseled out of rock are into it. And, and we, just, we just don't want to do it. But, but what we see is, is that when their heart is in it, they're, they're doing it and they're doing it well. And you're like, wow, why can't I be like that person? What we see in this passage is that people are doing the same things that we're doing right now and that we're doing today. But I think maybe the difference between them 2,000 years ago and us today, maybe, potentially, is that their heart is in it a little bit more. 
This morning, the title of this message is The Habits of a Healthy Church because um, I think that we can look back at what they did all those years ago and, and we can see patterns of health and, and, and we can see their heart being in it and we can see God doing amazing things. And what's crazy is, is that so many times people in the church world will say, I want to be a first century church, I want to be a first century church and they just leave it there. But if we really want to do what it is that's been done before, and we want to see that church on fire from before, I think there are a lot of concepts that we can take into the 21st century that are exciting. They're not complicated. They're not weird. We don't have to have a special service, right? So much of my own Christian walk, I've been looking around the corner for this next big moment or this next big thing. And so often, God has pointed me back to the simple things. Like some of us are going to go and join this gym, right? We're going to go every day and we're going to take all the supplements and then on the fifth, we won't wake up on time to go. When what we should have done is the simple things. Let's maybe just go for a walk every day in January and see if maybe the gym is worth our time. Let's maybe not eat French fries at every meal, right? Simple, measurable, small, good, exciting, paying attention to the important things. Today we're going to look at what happens when the truth of the gospel activates the church. How they respond, how their habits change, what the result of that change is, and why we care 2,000 years later. If you could go with me again, if you've already turned there to the text, I've got it up on the screen for us that don't have it. Um, and just as a side note, we do have Bibles in front of you. They're blue, um, and it's the same thing I'm reading out of. Having your own copy, paper copy of God's Word is so important, I believe, to your spiritual development. If you don't already have one, you can take that home. That's yours now after you turn to Acts chapter 2. Um, um, but let's read God's word this morning. It says this in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted, they, the people that just accepted Christ, all 3,000 of them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done Man, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Verse 44 says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's go before our God in prayer this morning before we get tucked into it. Let's pray. Lord, we, we ask you, um, to be in this service. God, I pray that your truth here would be proclaimed. Lord, I pray that you'd empty me of myself. God, I pray that people would see um, the result of the gospel on this passage, the way that you've shown me this week. 
God, I pray that you would inspire our hearts, you, Lord, not anything else, just you. God, I pray that you would move our hearts to change in 24. I pray that you would move us to a deeper relationship with you and your people. Lord, we trust in you. Give us ears to hear and hearts to listen this morning, God. Create an atmosphere in this place where we can understand you and what you want for us, the individual, and for us, the church. God, we love you. We need you. In your name we pray, amen. Awesome. So we're taking a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and we're discussing this fellowship that we see. When you take a look at the passage, what you're seeing here is the result of a revival, and it's, and it's kind of exciting, right? The first thing they do is they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So they accept Christ, and then the first thing they do is, is they want to learn more and more and more and more. And then while they're learning, they're like, hey, let's also spend time with each other and then they're looking at what's taking place around them and they're filled with all oh, like this is a crazy thing this is so exciting we can't believe this is happening and then this is really crazy in verse 44 it says that all who believed were together and they had all things in common you know what's nuts about that there was a language barrier a few moments before they had all things in common and they, they were loving being together. They were attending the temple together and they were having food and meals in their home and they were praising God and everyone around them liked them. I mean, like, this is a really exciting time. This is the mark of a revival because everybody that was involved was revived. The first thing that I notice when I read this passage, and I think it's important, is, is that the, the people were devoted to learning. They were devoted to learning. I think a lot of times when we read passages like this and, and we look at the ancient Christian, um, a lot of assumptions can be made. I think a lot of times we take a look at their world and we assume that things must have been a little bit easier for them because um, scripture doesn't necessarily always go through all of the things that were happening to the individual's heart when they accepted Christ and started living for him. What it says is, is that they were here and then there was a change that happened. Um, and and it, like, we don't know, like those people that accepted Christ, we don't know what their sin struggles were. We don't know like their names. So we just see um, a starting point, a, a, a meeting with Jesus, praise the Lord, and then the end result of that. We don't see the nuance, but what I want us to pay attention to this morning is that nowhere in here did it say that these were a bunch of monks that were already devoted to learning that got it wrong, picked the wrong religion maybe, and then found Christ and did it the right way. These were normal people. These were normal, regular, everyday people, right? Maybe they were on their way to the dry cleaner to pick up their other toga. Maybe they were on their way over here to get their sandals restrapped. Like, um, you know, there was probably a mom in the crowd that had like 36 million kids or maybe two kids that were acting like 36 million kids, right? We've been there, okay? Trying to get them to the market to get groceries for the other. Normal people, normal concerns, Maybe there was a man going home trying to figure out how to tell his wife that he wasn't going to be able to keep their home. 
Maybe someone had just committed a crime and they were trying to get like away from the Roman legion. Like, we don't know. But they were normal. They were busy. I know that a lot of times we like to look at the time before, like before now, like, oh man, back in the good old days, it was so much simpler. No, it wasn't. It was, it was, ju- it was different. I'll give you that, but it was just as complicated. I mean, if you think about it, a hundred years ago, we didn't even have washing machines in our house. Like, that's complicated. I, I, we were crazy. We cloth diaper. So, like, I know how complicated that is. And yet, the difference, or the big deal here is that they were impacted by the gospel. Just like some of us have been. We remember how busy we were before we accepted Christ. We remember what we were doing. I, I remember the trajectory my life was on before I got really serious about my faith. It was just as busy, if not busier, than it is now. And yet the difference between the saved person from that message and the lost person of Peter's big revival sermon is is that the people that accepted Christ allowed Jesus to interrupt them. They allowed Jesus to stop them in their tracks so that their hearts could be pierced with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the point where they called back out to the person delivering this sermon and said, so what are we supposed to do? You almost get this image of of, of people being ready to do whatever it is that they need to do because their heart was pierced. I mean, some of us in this room that have accepted Christ remember that moment vividly. I mean, even as someone who was saved but very wayward, I remember sitting in a church service at a retreat and, and I'm watching this man preach and, and everything about his story lines up with mine and I remember, I remember the Lord speaking quietly into my ear, not like a real voice, okay? Just I understood that God was communicating with me and I heard vividly, Tim, if you don't get your act right, your story is going to be his story. Whoa. Interrupted. So they were interrupted and then they became devoted. They were detoured off of whatever devotion they had before and they had a new devotion. You can't have more than one, maybe one and a half devotions. Like things that you're completely committed to. You just can't. It's not possible. God only gave us 24 hours a day and the healthy of us are sleeping for at least six to seven of them. So you can't have too many things that you're giving your all to. You can only really have one, right? And, and they picked a new one and that new one was Jesus, right? And you can see in the passage, they were incredibly faithful at this. They went daily. They met together daily. They went to the temple to pray, which would have been a daily habit. They were faithful to it, and they were faithful to it regardless of the fact that they were being persecuted during it. I mean, can you imagine, like, all of us, like, remember, Christianity wasn't really something that people talked about yet because it was very new. 
So all of a sudden, a large group of people in the town square are converted and are talking to all their friends about what Jesus did in their heart. I mean, think about if something like that happened today. We'd all think they were nuts. <laughs> this is my favorite part. I didn't even notice this until I was studying this week. <laughs> they went to the temple together. And I always assumed and replaced the word temple with church. Oh, they went to church together. That's great. No, they went to the Jewish temple because that's all they had. I mean, they went, people probably had no idea what it was that they were doing. I'm sure they got picked on. They were devoted to doing these things daily. Remember, these are new habits and there are multiple versions of these new habits. They're doing all these things faithfully. They had communion together. It says here, breaking of bread and the prayers. Breaking of bread is a term that, that's used twice in this passage. And if you look at the context cues in a Greek language and all of that, I, I believe that, that the first time that it's mentioned in verse 42, um, the author is specifically talking about the Lord Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread and the prayers. He's talking about doing communion together. This is a new tradition that they are incorporating into their lives and they are devoted to it. Um, what, what I think is really exciting as a church, Point Harbor, is that I believe that what we do as a church is really close to that. We have a special service set aside just for the breaking of bread and the prayers. It happens in the evening, and oh my goodness, I love my family. I am so blessed. I'm close with my, with my biological family. Um, we have meals together all the time, right? I didn't get fat by accident. Okay, we eat, we, and we're good at it, right? And, 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 and Liz's side, my wife's side, we're actually, today, today is all about eating, in, 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 in Liz's side. We do this thing, I told some of you in the lobby, we do this thing where we eat whatever country is currently celebrating New Year's, like, like it's, it's 12 o'clock in that country, we'll eat a dish from that country every hour on the hour. So like, they, I, I, made, I made croissants last night because the oven was needed today, so I had to pre-make them so that when we get to Paris, we can have croissants. Like, and man, we're gonna eat all day today. So, this is a new one. They've set aside for a new one. Can I just encourage you? Resolution time? Resolve to come to at least one of those this year. Some of you haven't been yet. I know some of you work. They did too, but they were devoted enough to make sure that they came. I know you get a limited amount of vacation time. I get it. I know you're busy. So were the forefathers of the faith. And they did it anyway. You can do this. We can do this. They were devoted to prayer as well. Man, what, what, what must they have prayed? So much thanksgiving for what God had done. Some of them had heard of a Messiah for their entire life, and then someone came and told them that he had came and had saved them, and this is how they accept that salvation that has been talked about by the prophets for thousands of years. Oh my goodness, the thanks that they must have prayed. They stopped and they followed. They allowed Jesus to interrupt them in their life. In church, this is where it becomes difficult for I think some of us in the 21st century. True devotion 
means everything. It means all of it. Inevitably, um, we're all going to be sitting around the television this February and we're watching the Super Bowl, right? It's a big thing. It's actually on my calendar this year, like as a American holiday. Because um, it is, we all watch it. And we put, like, I never, like, I, I don't understand this because this didn't happen. I grew up overseas, it didn't happen overseas. Like, if your team's not playing, you will put on the jersey of your team that lost this year and watch the Super Bowl. Like, we're watching the Patriots and the Eagles playing. You're wearing a Colts jersey. Like, what are you doing, dude? Anyway, side note. But we're going to watch it. And, and because um, we want the entire pomp and circumstance of the event, we're going to get home from church that February. I think it's the 7th. And we're going to turn the television on at 1 o'clock. And they're going to have Super Bowl programming from 1 to midnight. And what they do from 1 to, like, 7 before the game starts is they have all these backstories of, like, players that did this and that, and, and inevitably what they're going to do is, is they're going to have some quarterback sit on a couch with some other guy who I don't know the name of, and, and, and he's going to show some pictures of him as a, as a kid playing Pop Warner football, and his pads are going to be the same size his entire life, so he gets less and less ridiculous looking as he grows older, right? And he's going to talk about how, you know, he wouldn't have been able to do it without his parents because his parents would drive him to, like, football practice at four o'clock in the morning, and, and he did all this travel league, and he did this, and he did that, and, and then inevitably, some of us that have little boys um, or, or even little girls that are going to be like, Daddy, I want to be like him one day. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to say, oh, well, look at how much hard work. And which is going to be like this big learning moment. Look at how much hard work this person put in. You're going to really have to be devoted to learning the game, eating right, exercising, fill in the blank. And we're totally okay with that. And maybe even um, for the next couple of, of months, we're, we're, we're buying the footballs and, and, and we're going out and playing catch. And, and maybe if we've got an older student in our house, we're helping them wake up in the morning for their morning jog. And we're, 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 we're totally cool with that. Even personally, some of us have done these crazy diets to get healthy quicker. I'm not saying crazy because they're nuts. I'm saying crazy because they're difficult. And we've experienced radical body transformation on our way to a better health. And when someone says to us in an Italian restaurant, I'm only getting a salad because I'm not eating carbs, we're not like, we're an Olive Garden, you idiot, get pasta. No, we are excited for them. And when someone says, I used vacation time to come to a communion service, we're like, but we only get two weeks. When our, when our student, when our student says, <laughs> and I, I'm going to be honest, I mentioned this as an idea to some of our students because some of them really want to do some things that, 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 that God is, is, is offering them and, and I believe God is moving our student ministry towards. They really want to do these things, but these things aren't free. Some of our students went to our, their parents this year and they said, hey, instead of spending money on me for Christmas this year, can you put money on my missions trip account? And that's, some of us think, oh, wow, that's, that's touching. Some of us are like, you're crazy. But true devotion means everything. So church, this year, let's give God everything. Let's study. TV is weird now anyway. Don't watch as much of it. Study God's word. 
I, I, re I read I read this this um, like like so many of us have insane children in our house. We don't know how they got that crazy, but they just did. And and they finally go to bed, and we plop down on the couch with our spouse, and we're like, hey. It's time for some Amazing Race reruns, isn't it? And we sit there and we eat French fries and we watch The Amazing Race. I've been there and I've done that, okay? I love it. However, um, I read a statistic recently that like over 90%, sorry, the divorce rate for couples who pray together is less than 10%. Or it might be at like 11 or something like that. Drastically low. Turn off the daggum television and pray with your spouse this year. Myself included. I'm not talking from a place of having it figured out. The amount, we read one of those pre-marriage books and it told us not to even buy a television until you've been married for a year and I can't even begin to describe to you what that did for our marriage. All good things. Parents, let's teach our kids that church comes first. My parents, I vividly remember this, were standing over me at the kitchen table, like forcing me to get my homework done. And the reason they were doing this on this particular evening was because it was Wednesday night. And in my world, that meant it was church time. And my parents told me, you have to get that homework done before you go to church. And it wasn't like you're going to miss out on church if you don't get your homework done. No, it was, you're going to church. And if you need to take the L on Monday morning or on Thursday morning because you didn't get your homework done, that's on you. Yes, my parents were willing to let my grades suffer because of my lack of time management and not putting church first personally. I know that that's terrifying. But my parents were okay with me getting a bad grade to make sure that I was at church. Because you know what? Worst case scenario, I love Jesus and I work at McDonald's for the rest of my life. Worst case, we're on earth for 70, 80 years if we're lucky. We're in eternity for at least 90 or more. Do the math. I know it sounds ridiculous. You're like, oh, well, Tim, you know, like, well, you're just saying that because you're a, you're a pastor. Like, no. In fact, I, did, <laughs> I was working at a bank before God was like, hey, remember you promised me to serve me? It has nothing to do with that, but our kids need it. I know that you're like, well, I, I just... So many times parents will start to pull their kids out of church because they're not getting their homework done or they're not getting their responsibilities done or maybe their, their chores aren't being done or so on and so forth. And, and what ends up happening is, is that a 35-year-old man or woman with a family, they get a big project at work and then we don't see them at church for six months because they're just too busy. And you're not even in the picture probably at that point. You've got no control over the situation at that point. I still thank my mom and dad for doing that. 
the people saw God working. If you go back to the text in Acts 2, uh, 43, it, it says this, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I just want to make a note here. Um, it's really easy, I think, for us as Americans to look at the text and try to insert ourselves. Well, if I want to be like them, I need to do that. I don't want any of you in this room or watching online later to think that, well, they devoted themselves to their teachers. I need to devote myself to my teachers. No, no, no. We, as, as pastors of Point Harbor, like, um, and Pastor John is the pastor of, of, of Point Harbor, like, we love communicating God's word with you and ministering to you and with you and, and all of that, but, like, we are not Jesus. Far from it personally. <laughs> We have the apostles' teaching here in God's word. We have Jesus' teaching. We have everything that God told them before he sent Jesus. That's what we devote ourselves to. I don't want that to be confused because so many times people accept Christ because of a great message, which is awesome, and they conflate that they're not following Jesus, they're following that minister, and then that gets very confusing. So they were, they were doing this. All came upon every soul. If you actually read... Um, if you read the, the text there, the word all, it actually goes back to a Greek word called phobos, right? And it, and it actually translates directly into the word fear. They weren't afraid of what the apostles were doing. They had a healthy respect for what it was that was taking place. They were amazed at watching the power of God on earth transform their community and they had a healthy respect and excitement for it. We're not afraid of the ocean when we're on a balcony overlooking it, but we understand that if we go out there and we're not careful, it can certainly do us harm. We respect the power of the ocean, right? Or we should at least. In a very similar way, they were respecting and full of awe and wonder at what it was that they were looking at. They were amazed. They understood what it was that God was doing and they could not believe it. So they were filled with, whoa, can you believe this? This year, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really big uh, sp sports fan. I, I just enjoy it. It's so much fun. And now that I've got a little boy in my house um, that like kind of understands it, it's, it's so fun. Like we watch Phillies games and we watch the Flyers together. Um, and, and my son, he's four, so he doesn't know a ton about baseball yet. Um, but like we'll be sitting on the couch. And if you just watch TV with your kids, sometimes we'll get bored. So like you got to engage him a little bit, right? So typically what I'll do is I'll see that he's getting bored and he start to like climb on me and I'm trying to watch the game. So I'm like, Tucker, Tucker, Tucker. Look at, look at. You got a man on first. You got a man on third. All right. The pitch count is this, right? You got two strikes, two balls, one out. What are you doing? You swinging or you holding? And he'll, be, and he'll look at the screen and he'll be like, you know, daddy, I think I'd swing here. 
which is insane because I don't know how to do that and he doesn't know how to do that, but we're talking about it like we know how to do it, but it's fun. And, and this year we saw the Phillies get really, really deep. And what was crazy is, is I'm listening to Philadelphia Sports Radio on my way to church and I'm getting excited and we have a long line of, or the, the Philadelphia Sports has got a big history in my family and um, my grandfather used to own a sandwich shop close to the city. So like he'd have Phillies players come in and buy sandwiches. Um, uh, my uncle got a McGraw hat signed after they won the World Series all those years ago because he came into my grandfather's shop to buy sandwiches. So we're watching this happen and it's getting really exciting and what you're finding out is that in the city of Philadelphia when the game was at seven, people were taking off of work at noon so they could go tailgate from noon to 7 p.m. then to get into the game. So if you're wondering why Philadelphia sports fans are so crazy, it's because they started tailgating seven hours before the game started. It was so exciting. A ticket, the face value of a $250 ticket was trading for like three grand for some of these playoff games. People saw something amazing happening and they were invested sometimes a month's salary into going. It was crazy. And I'm, I'm on like a ticket app. I'm like, man, I'm only six hours away. Maybe I could drive up there and like, you know, sell a lot of plasma or something, get a ticket into the game. It'd be awesome, Right? The Phillies, the Philadelphia sports fans, they saw something amazing and they got it and it was exciting and they wanted to be there and then they got to the NLCS and they were playing the Arizona Diamondbacks who beat us, a little bit sore, but we'll get through it. The Arizona Diamondbacks did not see anything amazing, clearly. I have a picture here. I took this screenshot right before a youth event because I really wanted to beat this game. If you can't see that, it says that two tickets... For the NLCS Game 3, two of them with fees, $26 at Chase Field in Arizona. Those tickets were trading for $3,000 a piece, which means with fees, you're close to $10,000 for you and your spouse to go watch the Phillies in Philadelphia. They were bought in up there, but in Arizona, you know, it was a midday game. No one wanted to take the vacation time, $26. In fact, I was listening to the radio on my way in to church that morning and Philadelphia fans were buying up rows of seats because they wanted to have an empty stadium so that the Arizona Diamondbacks wouldn't have any fans. And they were like, hey, I got 15 tickets I just bought. If you're an Arizona and you're a Phillies fan, hit me up. I'll send them to you. I see a lot of similarities to our church, our, our church. People were responding back then to life change 2,000 years ago. They were awed. They were bought in. They were totally devoted. They gave God all of it. And this morning, when I take a look at the 2023 in our church's um, year, I, I see a lot of life change. We had 199 people give their life to Christ this year at this church. That's exciting. 72 of them got baptized this year, right? El Sembrador was launched and, and, and people's lives are being changed in another language because of all these amazing, isn't that exciting? 24% of us showed up to a point group this year. 20, 24% of us were consistent going to point group this year. Um, between the men's beast feast and the women's beast feast, um, about less than half of what our Sunday morning attendances went out for a, a meal together. 
we have some gaps in our service teams. I know we're busy. They were too. They allowed Jesus to interrupt what they were doing. I think one of the things that's different, though, is that they were awed at what God was doing. Church, it is good for us to take notice of the work of God. It fills us with awe. So take note, take notice, write it down in your, in your, in your notes. Almost 200 people started their New Year's resolution process in 2023 being dead. They were spiritually dead. They were destined for an eternity in hell. And because of the power of the almighty God that created you and me, we're going to hang out with them for eternity now. Complete change. That's exciting. It's difficult to notice something exciting if you're not used to seeing it. So let us as a church make it a thing this year to look for what God is doing. You know, after the Arizona Diamondbacks won that game, the tickets the next night were like a thousand bucks. They didn't think that Arizona could do it. I didn't either, to be totally honest with you, but they did. Oh boy, did they do it. And people got excited. God did it for you, and he's doing it for others. 199 of them. Let's get excited about what God is doing in our church. And then let's fellowship. That church fellowshiped all types, all people, everybody. They all came forward and they worshiped God together. They fellowshiped together. They did life together. We'll get there. My, like, church, join a point group. I'm wearing my Ask Me About Point Group shirt because we're starting point groups. Like, it's really important that we join a point group. It's so important. Again, devotion. Like, you're gonna have to probably say no to something this year so you can go to a point group. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I'm not gonna be a used car salesman about it. You're gonna have to say no to something so you can go to a point group. Like, oh, well, I'm on a service team. That's awesome. I love that for you. Do that more. And then join a point group. Do both. It's so important. My point group this year, oh my goodness. Awesome. And if you're like, oh, there's nothing, there's no, there's not, point group doesn't really meet at my time, and I've got kids. I love that for you. Guess what? You can be a point group leader. And you can pick the time. It's incredible. You can do it whenever you want. If you want to have a point group at three o'clock in the morning on Saturday, God bless you. <laughs> and for, for real, this is what it looks like. You want to be a point group leader? Like, I don't really know the Bible that great. I, that's fine. You're going to know it more after you're a point group leader. So what you do is you shoot me an email that says, Tim, I want to be a point group leader. I'm going to walk you through a couple of really easy steps. Now, one of them is going to be to invite five people and expect that three show up. You're like, only three? Yeah, only three. Because if it was more, it would go from being a point group into a large speaking engagement sometimes. Success isn't numbers, success is fellowship. So fellowship with three other men or three other women or three other couples in your group and love each other well. 
I have three couples that come to my group, and I'm one of them. But oh my goodness, one of our point group members had like this thing in their house and their entire house needed to be cleaned because it was, it was like, and that's a lot for two people. But their dad, I don't, I don't know if it was his dad or her dad, a dad, a dad showed up with a big pot of chili. We ate, we had one of our teenagers, we gave her a couple bucks to watch the kids in the break room or the, the playroom of the house. And then we just, we cleaned it all out, took a couple mattresses, threw them in the back of the truck, disposed of them appropriately. And we did what they needed to do. And we had fellowship and we celebrated what God was doing. Like, well, Tim, like, I want to be a point group leader, and I want to do it at my house. My house isn't really, like, good for that. It won't really fit. Like, guys, I want to tell you a secret. My heat broke. I just got heat on December 11th. I didn't have heat until December 11th. We plugged in a space heater and praised the Lord. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure you'll be fine. Join a point group. Start a point group fellowship. If you look at verses 44 and 45, it shows us what their fellowship looked like. It said, and all who believed were together and they had all things in common. If you look around this room and you lock eyes with somebody who is also a redeemed of the Lord, you automatically have something in common with them, and that is Christ and him crucified. You were dead in your trespasses and sin, and by the grace of God, he died for you, that you might have eternal life because you have placed your belief in him. That is a lot in common, and yet some of you out here are Cowboys fans looking for the other star so that you have something to communicate about when, like... It's football. No one cares. Jesus saved your soul. They did life together. They experienced revival and they wanted to keep it going in their homes. Church, doing life together is a picture of heaven on earth. If you're a believer, you're going to spend a lot of time in heaven with other believers. So if you're on this earth and you're spending a lot of time with other believers, you're just getting yourself ready for the good stuff. And I'm talking about doing hard life together. You know what's crazy? In that passage says that they were selling their, their, their possessions and their belongings. If you look at the Greek there, it's talking about them selling their real estate and the stuff they owned to make sure that the needs were met in the church. Doing life together means sometimes prayerfully considering making sacrifices financially for the good of others in the church. I'm not saying that you people in here need to go sell your houses and start like giving money unless the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, like you need to prayerfully consider doing that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that you need to plant the $10,000 seed of faith or anything like that. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. But doing life in community means sometimes stepping up and like, hey, I can do that. God has blessed me enough to be able to handle that need. Maybe someone in your point group just needs to take their spouse on a date and it's $100 to take your spouse on a date now between dinner and a babysitter. You're lucky if you get changed from 100 bucks. Maybe you just need to slip them a C-note. Who knows? Doing life together. I want you to write this down. Your people should be church people. The singles in the room... If you're single, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. 
your future spouse should be a church people. If you take a look at verse 46, you see something really exciting. It says, And day by day, they attended attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Their attitude was one of joy. All the complainers in the room, raise your hand. Stop. You got nothing to complain about, really. I mean, even like the, our house situation this year was really crazy. Like we moved in and it was great. And we were so excited for a bigger home. And then the washing machine broke. And then um, I bought two more of them and they both broke. And then the landlord finally felt bad for us and brought a third one that did work. Um, and that was crazy because again, we have babies, lots of laundry piles up. It smelled weird in the laundry room for a while, but we got through it. And then like we didn't have hot water for a while. And then, and then we did, but we didn't have heat. And then we had heat, but then they couldn't get, have to figure out how to get the hot water. I kid you not, December 17th was the first date that we had both hot water and heat at the same time. It was incredible. It was easy to complain during that. But like worst case scenario, I die and go to heaven. There's nothing to complain about. Let's have joy and let's be joyous around us. I'm not saying that we don't need to mourn with those who are mourning and weep with those who are weeping, but mourning and grieving through something is different than just going, man, I hate this. Man, we're not coming to this point group again. The food is terrible. I don't like coming to this point group. It's, it's 6.30 and you know, we have to fight the monitor Miramac to get here on time. And Stop. Receive with joy and glad and simple hearts. You are redeemed. So act like it. Sometimes that means just living the way that God has called us to live with a redeemed spirit and not being anxious about the things that we've used to do or, 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 or feeling guilty about the sin that has already been forgiven. It does mean that sometimes, but also it means sometimes that like you don't have the burden of sin on your life anymore because it's been handled. So you can now go forward in joy because you've been released from slavery to sin so you can go forward with joy. So stop moaning and just go to your point group and experience joy with your church family. I know that depression and anxiety is real because I have walked that road and still do a lot sometimes and like by God's grace, we're all here, right? Again, mourning through and grieving through a difficult thing is different than being a complainer or as I would have called them as a kid and still refer to my kids when they're doing it, a whinge. Like, you all know it. It's 10 o'clock. It's almost nap time. Your kids are kind of ready for morning tea and, or like snack. And, and, and like, they're just, they're just like, please stop with the noise you're making. That's how some of us sound. You're redeemed. You can have joy. You do have joy. You're excited about what God is doing. You're reflecting on the fact that God brought 199 people in the Point Harbor community from death to life. You're excited about the fact that a new church in another language is being planted here in Hampton Roads and, and your church community is a part of it. You're excited about the fact that, you know, you know what I'm excited about? If, if like I can just like be excited personally for a moment. Every time we've had a baptism service this year, there's been students in the tub. Our young people are making decisions for Christ. That's nuts, right? Like, 
we can be excited about that thing. We can be devoted to prayer. We can be devoted to fellowship. We can be devoted to studying God's word. Even if we don't like the study that our other friends are doing, we can still study it. You guys want to know, you want to know what it's supposed to look like. If you want to see it on, if you're a visual learner, I want you to hop on Disney+. Plus. Okay, I want you to select the best Christmas documentary on there. It's called A Muppet's Christmas Carol. I want you to scrub all the way to the end when Scrooge figures his life out, right? And everyone's eating at Kermit's house and Tiny Tim didn't die. And everyone's singing, including the animals. That's what it's supposed to look like. And you know what happened God blessed them with more. Look at verse 47. Look at verse 47. It says, praising God and having favor with all the people. Actually, let's stop there. Their community that wasn't a Christian community like everyone else liked them. Sometimes people don't like us. When I say us, I mean Christians because we moan and complain all the time. They were just happy with what God was doing and their greater community liked them. It says, having favor with all the people. They liked them. And you know what? Praise God. When I became the new youth guy here and I started calling vendors at the churches used before to set up events, I not once heard anyone go, oh, I guess. I guess we'll rent you a van. We're good at that church. So you can pat yourselves on the back. Like, that's good. That's hard. Because we stand for truth here at this church. We preach out of God's word. And that can sometimes rub people the wrong way a little bit. And I'm sure it has. But you know what? The community at large likes us. Not that that's not what we're trying to do, but I think that's a mark of a healthy church. And then this is the exciting part. I mean, it's all exciting, but this is what we're talking about next. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And because of the verb there, being, um, in, in the Greek, it really promotes, I think, this idea where um, not only were people coming to faith for the first time, but sanctification was still taking place in that church. They were moving from death to life to life more abundant. As we wrap up here this morning, I want us to do something. I want us all to close our eyes. Close your eyes for a second. So I told you that your people should be church people, but I'm not crazy. I know that you have other people that are your people. I want you to imagine your people, the ones that live in Hampton Roads, the ones that live in the Tidewater area, the ones that could drive to church if they felt like it, your work friends, your rec league friends, your gym friends, whoever, your family, I want you to imagine them changed for Christ. Imagine your community changed for Christ. Imagine them accepting Christ for the first time and all of the experience that you've had with God changing your heart, you get to see in them. Now open your eyes. How cool would that be? Your mom, your dad, your crazy boss, your kid's weird coach, change for Christ. So we're doing resolutions, right? We got a couple minutes before the bell rings. What are we doing? How about this? How about some new attitudes for 2024, right? 
Let's start acting like we're redeemed, right? Church, like we can do that. We can have joy this year, but you know what? Oftentimes the condition of our heart is a decision that we have to make because if we let our heart do whatever, we're gonna be like, like, like sheets in a wind because the scripture says that our hearts are deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know them? So who cares what your heart feels? Why don't you start telling your heart to be joyful and to have a better attitude? Like let's, like, let's, like, let's make that a resolution. Myself included, I love complaining. Let's make it a habit of studying God's word. Again, all of these things I need to do more of personally. I'm not up here like, you need to do this. I'm like, we need to do this. Let's really get into God's word. Let's figure out what he wants for us in our church. Let's live in community. There is a fire marshal approved fire pit in the lobby. When you go there, there are people wearing these shirts that are going to tell you just how awesome it is to be a part of a point group or to lead one. If you've never been to a point group before, join one, right? I don't care what you have to do, figure it out, come for six out of the eight weeks. You're going to be fine. We can do this. There's childcare for some of them. We can do this. And if you've been going to a point group for a while, and maybe even at your point group, you sit with the same six people at your table, why don't you start a point group with those six people? You're already doing community with them. Just invite them into your home so you can break bread together. My favorite part of point group is that me and my wife, we throw down, we're hosting, we're the leaders, so we get to pick the menu, right? So all of our crazy dairy-free vegan stuff, like we figure out how to make it taste good, right? And I don't even care if they like it, we like it. And I love making bread, man. Like I love throwing down with bread. And a couple weeks, like the second or third week, we made pizzas on the grill. You can do that. Like, wow, that's busy and like we have to cook. I said you're going to have to make sacrifices. Let's live in community. And while we're living in community, let's worship. Let's worship our God for what he has done. God is right to be worshiped. Let's do that in community. Like, let's this week... Like, when, when you are a point group leader, you're given all the materials, and we support the heck out of you. Don't feel like I'm just throwing you to the sharks. I'm in community with you as a point group leader, and I'm communicating with you, and I'm getting you stuff as early as I can so that you can study it and you can know. And, and again, it's not like you have to be a Bible scholar. It's just you have to be able to ask a question. In fact, if you're like, I don't like talking, great. You're going to be a great point group leader because the best point group leaders talk for five of the 60 minutes because everyone else is supposed to be talking. You're supposed to be sitting there going, hmm, ah, yes. Let's do that. Let's start some point groups this year so that we can live in community. And let's maybe, I'm giving you permission to do this, not do the prescribed Bible study one of the weeks and just worship. If you want to have a musician, Maybe just write down on a piece of paper all the incredible things God is doing right now and just thanking him for them. Why don't you just put on some worship music and have a moment of silence? Let us as a church look forward to what God is gonna do in 2024. 
because I believe that we're experiencing some kind of a revival here at Point Harbor. I'm seeing incredible things and hearing incredible stories. Staff meeting is always a party because it's like someone did this, someone made this decision. Our youth group is crazy and it's growing. Like we have, like it's just, it's so many exciting things are happening. Let's look forward to all the cool things that God is going to do. And, and, and know this as you leave here this morning that we might have to sacrifice We might have to let our kid get a zero because they didn't get their homework done. We might have to cook for people. We might have to eat someone else's food. There are a lot of scary cooks in the kingdom of God, church. It won't be simple, but we will be filled with awe. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are and how much you love us. God, thank you for giving us a picture of of a healthy church. All those years ago, God, I pray that you would allow us to move forward in a way that would honor you. God, I pray that you would bless us with adding more and more day by day because we've honored you by worshiping you and worshiping you in community. God, I pray you move hearts as we leave. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.